You're listening to Fucks Given, the one with Vex Ashley. Hi, Reed. Hi, Florence. How are you, cutie? I miss you. Oh, I miss you too. I keep sending you voice notes at the end of every single one. I'm like, I missed you so much. <laughs> Especially like going through emotional times. I'm like, I need my Florence here, man. I know. <laughs> but I hate soon. the time zone difference. It sucks balls. I, I don't want this, it anymore. The time zone thing is really fucking annoying. Like, because yeah. I want to chat to people in my evenings mm-hmm. and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's so just, alone in the evening. You, yeah, so you have alone. to be so switched on in the morning. And it's like, that's the, most of the voice notes I get from you are just like, yeah, just like, you know, like, you're just like, you're, you're not processing yet. And I'm like, they're yeah. like fucking telling you all my shit in the evening. Like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Literally, but, but we're going to Washington, D.C. in March for the Sexology Summit. Whoa! Yes, so we on the 10th of March. There. Sexology Summit, Florence and I are going to be on a panel with some incredible people like our girl Scotty Unfamous and also Thongra will be on there and her name, her real name is... Thank you, Zoe Ligon. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be so good. Um, and then after that, I'm going to be in LA with you, baby. Yay! And we've been inspired by the interview of this episode to create some nasty stuff. Yeah, I think we're going to, Florence and I, we're going to actually create some porn, porn that we want and stick it on our OnlyFans or try and find out, figure out a way of doing it. So yeah, yeah. stay tuned. In today's episode, we are talking to Vex Ashley, who is a porn performer, director, producer, editor, extraordinaire. She does everything. And we dive in deep into like mummy kink, daddy stuff, um, weirdest stuff done on set. So yeah, you got to listen. It's such, it's a doozy of an episode. Let's get in. Mm-hmm. Bex, you are finally on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. We finally Yay. made it happen. I know Welcome. this has been such a long time coming. Welcome. Looking glorious as always. Thank so excited you. to have you on. Before we start, because I'm sure there are people out there that I, I can't imagine why, but might not know who you are. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking, I know. <laughs> Please graceful. tell uh, our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself. So my name is Vex Ashley. I am a porn performer, a producer, director, and a general all-round naked on the internet girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I worked out recently that this is my... 10-year anniversary this year of uh, (gasps) getting fucked on film. Beautiful. (laughs) Oh, the memories. (laughs) 10 years. That's actually like... Congratulations. That's fucking amazing. Because this is a small business and going for 10 years is incredible. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's I mean, it 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 doesn't feel like 10 years somehow, and yet it feels like a lifetime at the same time. (laughs) So it's interesting to think back at like what's changed, like how far I've come, you know, what's the same, what feels really different, but it is something that I'm pretty proud of like I think it's quite an achievement oh my god yes if you could tell baby Vex 10 years ago what you know now one thing that you know now what would you warn her or tell her or advise her 
with really you have no control over how long anything that you post online is going to hang around. You've got no control over what someone's going to do with it. You've got no control over what context someone's going to put it in or how someone's going to take it. Um, So something that was really important for me and something I definitely didn't do in the beginning was to really make sure that I was making work and posting pictures of myself and shooting things that I was genuinely really proud of that I felt like mm-hmm. aligned with the kind of person and the kind of image and the kind of uh, work that I wanted to put out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got sometimes I I'm, I'm very specifically talking about a time uh, a long time ago now when it was very popular to, uh, to be a cam girl who would uh, dress up like a cat uh, <laughs> dress up. Um, and I have, I have some, some slightly, you know, vintage videos of me where, you know, I'm like licking milk out of a bowl. I'm like, and there's nothing shameful in it, but you know, the cat girl era is not really my era currently. Oh my God. I feel that so hard. It still resurfaces, but it was because I got sucked into that idea of doing what I felt like was going to, uh, make, other people the most happy and it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the thing that aligned best with what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm always really keen to be like, you don't necessarily need to just like jump on every bandwagon. You know, you don't have to pull a stupid face. You don't have to kind of, uh, you know, just tick whatever kind of influencer cool thing is currently going on. You can kind of, uh, try and be a bit Mm self-reflective and think about what feels right for you as a person, not just what everyone else is kind of doing at the time. Yeah, it's just just about being yourself. (laughs) I feel like I I I need to take (laughs) I feel like I need to take that advice on board with my OnlyFans stuff. Because sometimes I'm just like, just throw anything up there. It will be Mm. fine. But you're right, like these images they 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 turn up on Reddit. They turn up on other platforms. Oh my god! They turn up. You, we literally everywhere. have no control. It's hard because I think, to be honest, you know, for a lot of people, it's a business. And you know, if something's popular at the time, doing whatever you think is going to sell, there's absolutely no shame in it. It's just that thing of like accepting that at some point you're going to have to look back at that and be like, oh, weird. That's really not the kind of person <laughs> that I am anymore. And I'm somebody who's always been very. Uh, I've, I, yeah, I've been very strictly in control of my image. Like I find it, I find that really difficult to give up control, which is probably why, you know, I've spent the last 10 years just doing everything for myself. (laughs) (laughs) You're literally a one woman band. Like I I actually, Mm. I'm so in awe of the way that you produce your content because it looks incredible, like so high production, so amazing. And you do everything. Thank yeah, you. you are an inspiration to us all. Yeah, going back to that one, going back to that one video that floats around. I have this one video that I did on webcam ages ago of smoking a cigarette, and it's like I don't mind the ones where it's like my legs are open and I'm fucking <laughs> yeah. myself with a toy, but the ones where I'm smoking a single cigarette, it's like I don't smoke. Those aren't my values. Like it's not me. <laughs> that ain't me, man. And that fucking thing floats around mm. everywhere. It was on Pornhub for a while. That is so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. love sm- smoking. Fetish is a very uh, underrepresented well, fetish, but mm. didn't read. Didn't you used to do like weed porn? 
like back in the yes, day yes yes yeah for some reason smoking the joints on camera totally fine i'm fine with even though i don't <laughs> yeah. smoke weed anymore but this the actual <laughs> cigarette you know like one of like the fucking marlboro mm. lights like oh. i was like oh god nice. but yeah weed weed and porn and like like sexual stuff was very much intertwined for me because every time i was high i'd wank so mm. like weed became a sexual Ooh, thing yeah. Um, but no, not anymore. I had to give that shit up, man. Really? It's gone. Yeah, it's gotta it's go. It's interesting because I've only very recently, I, when I was younger, I was, I, I basically thought that weed just made me want to throw up, but I realized it was because, you know, when you're 14 and you're smoking that like horrible, gross bit of resin that oh, your, God. you know, stone yeah. boyfriend and his friends has been carrying around <laughs> in his back pocket for the last three days. Apparently, oh, apparently made me it's gag. actually that. <laughs> Um, and I kind of recently <laughs> discovered smoking weed and sex for the first time. And it's yes. actually really expanded oh my, my sexual kind of uh, repertoire. I think it's one of those things where I can completely see how people um, develop complicated relationships to it because, you know, mm-hmm. it, just one wrong move and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I, did I say something weird? But and then the you thing spiral. that it does. Mm. Oh, the spiral, yeah. But. So for me, it's very much, it's a bodily thing, not a social thing. I don't want to have to have a conversation with someone, but I want to feel like I'm in my body and able to connect to sensation. And it's not something I'm very good at in a, in my regular life. Yeah. So weed with sex is great, but weed all day, every day, not so great. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Shaming over here. I feel like I can't shame people for that in California. Yeah. That's very true. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You're right. It didn't work for Mm. me. It fucked me up, but it can Mm. work for other people for sure. But um, mushrooms, psilocybin and sex is like the next thing I want to have a go at. Interesting. um, Yeah. Was your, your experience with weed and sex just very curious it's basically just that i think that despite the fact that you know i would be probably considered a sex professional i hope so after 10 years yeah. um, i would say so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i've actually i've always been very uh, confident at performing sex but i have found it difficult to really deeply connect with my body and sensation outside of um performing for somebody else and hopefully that means that I'm a good porn performer because I am an adept at that but what it's meant is that I have had to do a lot of work with refocusing myself like recentering myself trying really hard to um find my sort of sense of pleasure internally like rather than how it's being portrayed to somebody else so weed is actually um in lots of ways helped with that because what it seems to do uh, in moderation um is it kind of helps turn off the the thinking part of your brain and allows you to just kind of exist in the bodily part of it to some capacity and yeah. it has been kind of helpful um you know it's not something that I do every day and it's definitely not something that I do every time that I fuck but it is it does definitely kind of help with feeling a bit more connected to mm. my body that's really interesting I think as well because you don't really think about that side of being a porn performer and like having to po- perform sex all the time and doing it on camera because that must in a way like without you even really thinking about it, create a different relationship with sex because you're always on, right? You're always like thinking, oh, what does this look like to other people? 
Yeah, right. and I think that's performing is something that lots of people, especially women, are trained to do almost subconsciously by society from a very young age with regards to sex. So the reason why, you know, sometimes sex work can feel like it uh, allows you to harness some of that and some of the way that society sees you in a way that can feel pa- more powerful, like you have control over that gaze is because we're all, you know, we're, we're so good at it. Like we, we have honed our skills with it for years. We make it look so real. (laughs) So real that even we can believe it. And then we're like, this is what real sex is. And it's like, Mm. no, 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 we need to actually connect. I I don't know if you have same issues around like connecting to orgasms and, and like, like for me, clitoral stimulation, I find so hard. It's even with like my favorite toy, it still can take so long to be able to have that I think especially women but not just women I think also Mm. men as well have watched porn and they have that performative outlook the amount of times I ask a dude like oh what actually turns you on what do you like with your body and they're like oh I guess I don't know like like they've just got no idea um and I think we're all we're all guilty of that because no one taught us how no one taught us how to enjoy and connect with our bodies and actually feel pleasure we all keep that secret what we do when we masturbate is like oh no I can't show anyone or tell anyone but that's the thing we should be honing in on like what do you do when you masturbate alone yeah and I think that you know Matt you're 100% right in the you know everyone really I think everyone just wants to do a good job everyone wants to you know they want to be great for a lot of men as well I think they sometimes feel trapped in this idea that they have to be this like alpha male they have to direct the action they have to you know in a in a traditional kind of straight dynamic um that it's their responsibility to kind of do everything and then the receiving partner is is essentially just expected to lie there and act like this is the greatest thing to ever happen to them ever. And that does a disservice to both of those people because, you know, there's, there's a gap there where we're learning, we're, you you know, you're taking in information and you're adjusting what you're doing based on that. And I think everybody can probably relate to having sex with somebody where you just feel like they're either going through the motions that they've kind of trained themselves to do, or they are just performing. um, And you're like, I can I can see what you're doing. Yeah, I can <laughs> see. So how, how do we how do we break the cycle? How do we get out of that when we're in the moment? Um, what's the best advice to connect? I I think that even just getting to the stage where I, identi- I identified that I was doing that sometimes was really important. I think just yeah. giving yourself space to think about whether or not the sex you're having is really satisfying you in a number of different ways because you can have incredibly I perform in sex all the time and I love to do it and I enjoy it greatly it doesn't mean I'm having bad sex it doesn't mean the sex is you know unsatisfying but what it I I did identify was that it was you know just a facet of sex and and that I needed to really get back to thinking about um, my physical pleasure outside of that performance um so I just think even naming it and then, um, you know, taking time with somebody to, it sounds really corny, but like, you have to like allow yourself to breathe in that sexual interaction. Like you have to like, um, relax your body, like all of your muscles, you know, when you're holding yourself in a position that you're so tense and it feels like you're, you're trying to essentially kind of 
provide either like you want to look good or you want it to kind of, you know, fulfill what the other person wants to do. Um, and just giving yourself the space to like relax. And I think the most important thing is for me, like actually being able to, uh, ask for something, um, in a way that, that it, you know, doesn't make you feel like you're kind of breaking the action, but like being direct and asking for what you want uh, and practicing that, practicing that again and again, even when it feels a bit scary or it feels like, you know, maybe it's, uh, it makes you feel like you're too demanding or you're maybe kind of ruining what's going on or anything like that. I think being able to advocate for yourself a little bit, uh, and it's a process. It's a process that I'm still not perfect at, at the age of 33, you know, um, so don't like not, not being too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's also like what my therapist said to me once, which was like, your pleasure is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just Mind takes it all blown. into that. It's just like, you, yeah. you're the one that needs to communicate and like figure out what you want with your body before you th- can then go into a partner's situation, really. Mm. Yeah. Like no, also, nobody gives you an orgasm, like you together exact, with somebody exactly. yes. build an orgasm exactly. potentially. Yeah. And we've been taught wrong, right? We, we would put people on pedestals and be like, well, they, they need to go and like rub my clit. They, they need to know exactly what they should go and get the sex toy. And it's like, no, we're not, we're not asking for what we want and what we need. Um, I also find asking other people questions kind of gets us into that zone of being open and vulnerable. So if you're asking, you know, like, I really want to know what actually gets you off. Like f- for me, asking to watch someone masturbate or how they wank their cock is like such a vulnerable thing, but I can see where their fingers are and what pressure points they are and, and, and what parts of their body they hold. And then that makes me think about what I do exactly. And, you know, it's, it's a maze, isn't it? It's very complicated, but the more you engage in questions like that and activities like that and, and like are willing to be open and open your mind, then yeah, the easier it does become. It, it becomes like breathing and, you know, we take those walls down, but yeah, it's, it's not easy to do. It's not easy no, to get there. It's totally not. And, and I think what's interesting is like just, just little stuff like, um, only through, you know, uh, trial and error. Do you realize that like, um, you know, some guys jerk off like with an upward motion and some yes. guys jerk off with a downward motion, but both of those two guys don't really know that the other kind of wanker exists. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's that, it's that thing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, uh, did you see that thing before where some people were like, Oh, do you wipe standing up or do you wipe sitting down on the toilet? And Wait, it was what? like, what? it was like it genuinely like the, that some, I mean, I'm, I would just like to come out here right now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm advocating that I am a sit down wiper. Like I'm not Me standing too. up Always. and wiping. Yeah. But, um, somebody, uh, somebody posted this thing being like, ha ha. And people who were couples had no idea that the other person was a stander upper. Wow. <laughs> and they were going like, how do you, how, what, yeah, how, what? how do you get to the, the butt? Like how? <laughs> Clenched. How do you do mm-hmm. the little yeah, scoop and poop? Stuff and wipe. That's I, I don't know. Never knew that this happened. But are we are we but, thinking just are we just thinking people with vaginas <laughs> here? You know, like people with no, penises, they do a, a little stand up penis dab. No, no. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think I think That's we're maybe talking peeing, like yeah. 
poop. Okay, yeah. okay. What about the front or back thing? Because that blew my mind when people were like, mm. do you wipe front to back or back to front? And mm. it's like, naturally, yeah, sure. We're supposed to because of the poo in the vagina situation, <laughs> wipe front to back. But that really confused me because I was always wiping. Like I'm trying to... Yeah. I was always wiping. You're like... Uh-huh. Back to front, to but, not like, but not like over my anus. And so no. I, I felt shame for a long time because I was like, oh my God, I do wipe... I'm one of those guys. But like, but I'm not getting poo all up in my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's dutty fingers for you. (laughs) Dutty fingers and dutty penises that give me thrush. And not washing my sex toys. Well, yes, that is, that is also, that is also a good piece of advice, actually, from a former cam girl. It's like, (laughs) I know it's, I know it's a bore, but you really want to, put those sex toys in a in a about a bath of boiling water yeah. occasionally yes yeah. giving them a rinse is not enough uh, no, so I, sad. Yeah. I need to like have some wipes by my doxy my doxy just lies on my floor i was thinking about this like every time i put it down it's just it's picking up shit and like i'm putting yeah. that back on my punani and uh, we gotta look yeah. after ourselves better but it's just the lazy mm-hmm. wank situation you can't help it <laughs> Anyway, I feel like we we should go back to you and four chambers because I'm sure everyone really wants to know how did you start doing four chambers 10 years ago? Like what was the, yeah, how did it all work? What was the inspiration behind it? So I was um, at university. I was, I was doing art at university and I was also spending a lot of time on a site that you might remember called tumblr.com. I was really interested in the way that on Tumblr, it was the first space that I'd seen where people were curating their porn alongside basically everything else in their life on their blog. So you would have people sharing like, you know, memes and personal posts and fashion inspiration and porn they liked, and it would all exist together. And it was kind of curated in this aesthetic way. And I had been doing some kind of, uh, low key, like, uh, suicide girls ask modeling for a site called God's Girls. And I'd met this amazing community of, uh, other people around the world who were doing sex work, but doing sex work kind of on their own terms, not necessarily. I'd kind of considered that to do porn, you had to be the kind of cookie cutter, uh, blonde, uh, you know, augmented, body, uh, like the nineties traditional porn star. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was a little goth basically. And I was like, that's not really for me. I, 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 I don't think that that kind of gels with me. Um, but I, but through doing this modeling and through spending time on sites like Tumblr, I could see people who were really doing sex work on their own terms and keeping their sense of identity and keeping their individuality. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was interested to see if I could explore the kind of creative and aesthetic potential of sex in through porn, but in kind of in the same way that I was doing it at art school, where I was interested if sex and porn could be a medium for ideas in the same way that like painting can be a medium for ideas. And I essentially just started making these little tests, um, kind of experiments that were like sexy music videos, basically to songs that I liked and 
just posting them on Tumblr. And the response that we got was just incredible. You know, uh, it really felt like people were really connecting with it in a way that I wasn't expecting. And it just sort of spurred me on to think that like, wow, there's real potential in this that hasn't really necessarily been explored uh, very much. And it, it kind of, that space online really gave me a lot of room to um, explore sex in a creative way, which was what I was interested in. And I thought I was going to leave uni and uh, become a teacher. And <laughs> I, wow. I, I, what I a know. <laughs> uh, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a year. I'd, I'd kind of started camming. I was making way better money camming than I was like working like a minimum wage retail job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's give it a year. Let's do some porn. Let's see how it works out. And then in a year's time, I'll go and become a teacher just like I planned. <laughs> And oh, 10 years later, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could say you're a teacher in some respects. I, I taught people you some are. things. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, the dream came true. Just it wasn't the cookie cutter teacher <laughs> yeah. that we're so used to. I really relate to the idea of what porn was supposed to look like, what we thought porn was supposed to look like, especially being the age that we are, like in our sort of early 30s. And being obsessed with porn and enjoying porn, but there literally being only one type of porn out there to watch. So genuinely thinking that that was what was sexually attractive and we necessarily weren't. So I I love the fact that you kind of took that and was like, no, actually, no, I'm going to make my own thing. And of course it, it pays off. It's successful. People are desperate to see that kind of content. One of the things that has been genuinely the nicest and most amazing thing for me about doing this kind of work is realizing that what is considered to be attractive sexually um, by quote unquote society uh, is so much more expansive, so much more diverse, so much more weird than we could ever imagine. My favorite thing about the campsite was you could click to the very back pages where, you know, there were one or two people in, in these rooms and it would just be somebody who looked nothing like the kind of person that you would imagine could, you know, do well on these sites. And there would be one person in that room going, Oh my God, you're so hot. Like this is, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So it's that thing where you go, Oh, all of that stuff that, you know, we're, we're told actually doesn't even begin to touch the sides of how interesting human sexuality is. And getting to explore that has been such a blessing and really changed my idea of, of, you know, what, what being attractive or, or kind of being hot means or is yeah yes yeah well it's what? about feeling yourself right is um we're, we're seeing now like Pornhub have come out and said that there has been an explosion in people trying to find real content so like you know like real amateur and real sex real orgasms all these tag words that have exploded when before we we weren't really clued into the fact that it wasn't real we we wanted so hard to be suspended in the belief that it was real because it's porn it's what turns us on but now I yeah. think people are clocking onto it and they just want real people and I think that's what that's what you give with all your work is that element of authenticity that people are craving so desperately well it's it really nice. interesting because it is one of those things where I I definitely don't when I'm making films actually really strive for authenticity like you know my films if you haven't seen them are 
weird. <laughs> they don't <laughs> look like your everyday sex. You know, often, often there's some kind of strange lighting and the setting is kind of relatively fantastical. And I was kind of interested in going for, you know, something that felt um, atmospheric and felt, you know, like it captured some of the vibe, but I was, I was definitely kind of going for something that was, um, almost like more unrealistic, more kind of fantastical, more like your imagination, your sexual imagination than necessarily your day-to-day sex. But one of the things that was really important for me, and I'm glad it feels like that maybe to you is that, you know, the sex itself can't get trapped in all of that unreality, like sex for it to feel hot has to feel like, um, to some capacity and an authentic connection or a connection, you know, that you can really get into that you can really believe. And, you know, the way we shoot sex, we try and keep it very fluid and very organic and we don't script it too much. And we don't prescribe to the performers what we kind of expect them to do. We try and let it unfold in a way that feels good for them. Because for me, that's what makes the hottest sex scene. How yes. much time do you actually spend filming the sex um, compared to like the intro and the setup and <laughs> the ending, you know? Yeah, I mean, we we kind of try our hardest. It's as, as basically, as, as we've gone on, my standards have got a little bit higher for stuff where <laughs> I used to be of like, course. oh yeah, we can, we can, you know, in and out and in, in and out, <laughs> in, uh, in a couple of hours, that's fine. But now I'm a little bit more like, you know, maybe there's specific shots I want, maybe there's specific kind of, we try and make sure that for me as a porn performer, spending any more than half a day on set, especially if you're having to like, to kind of fuck and, you know, keep that energy up, um, more than half a day for me is going to kill the energy. So we try really hard to make it so we'll feed people, they'll arrive, we'll, you know, get get looking like we need to, we'll talk through some stuff, we'll shoot a little bit. And then generally, yeah, this, the sex does shooting the sex shouldn't go on for, you know, more than a couple of hours. And that's not like, you know, we're not, we're not doing like pounding, uh, for those hours. It's like, it's more of a kind of gradual buildup. As soon as people get a bit tired and a little bit hungry and a little bit, um, burnt out, that's where you really lose some of that kind of, um, intensity. And I, I mean, I've heard my, my, my kind of professional performer friends have talked about, you know, being on set for like 18 hours and stuff oh, like that. And I'm God. just like, I couldn't be me. No. Well, I think that's what's so amazing about your production is that you are a performer and the director and the producer. So everything that you do on set is going to be catered to how you know it feels really comfortable when you're on screen and when you're fucking. That was really important for me because you know, I think performing sex is such a deeply vulnerable experience for everyone involved. You know, we can't pretend that it is a job like any other. So what is important is to realize that, you know, for me as a, as a director, I, I feel like it's really important for me to have the experience of what it's like to, to, to do that very vulnerable thing Mm. so that I can hopefully, you know, work as hard as I can to make that experience as easy and as, you know, as, as drama free and as, you know, comfortable as possible for the people that I'm asking to do that. If I'm making money off of people fucking on film, I should have fucked on film too. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that, you know, that, that just makes sense, I think. And hopefully it means that I can be a better director for my performers. 
It's like they say, if you if you want to be dominant, you should also be in the submissive position at least once so you know how it feels. All of the best doms that I know started off as submissives or masochists. <gasps> Stop, Ooh, that's fascinating. You know, it's not like they're like polar opposites. They're like a circle like this. So, you know, at the, bo- at the extremes, you're actually very close to, to each other, I think. Next question. Tell us about, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, the the maman, the maman, <laughs> the maman porn. Maman. Maman. Um, maman. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're, I'm, I'm, uh, my stressful day today was because I was having a, uh, an intense editing day on the second part of, of this project that we're in the process of kind of bringing to completion, um, which has been, uh, basically kind of focused on, uh, me and my friend Valerie's, uh, shared fetish and appreciation and love of, uh, being mommy. Uh, and exploring the sexuality of the mother archetype and why that's so taboo within society, why it still feels so much more taboo than, let's say, you know, calling your partner daddy. Yes. Um, Why, why, maybe why we're into it um, and kind of specifically why we're into it as two people who are maybe making the decision that we're not going to be mothers for real in real life Mm, yes oh my god that's fascinating so there's all of this like amazing complexity and that kind of we we started thinking about it over lockdown um and we decided that our lockdown project was going to be essentially uh inducing lactation uh without pregnancy or carrying a child did you actually Um, do that you know that i have a massive lactation King, really? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, and you didn't know you can do that? No, I did know that you could do that. And it kind of did happen once with my ex. I mean, what I think is the most amazing thing about it, or the most interesting thing about it, is literally everyone has the potential to be able to induce lactation, regardless of gender. Um, wow. I, I, I have spent a lot of time on a lot of Reddit forums, and there are instances of... <laughs> people talking about, you know, a a guy and his boyfriend, um, and he, he loved having his nipples stimulated. So his boyfriend would, they would just sit and watch TV and his boyfriend would just be playing with his nipples. And at some point, that's so so cute. But like my, my vagina is fucking loving this story. Sorry, carry on. It's so cute, right? But, and yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently it it basically meant that he started lactating because if you stimulate the nipples enough, the the little you know the, the yeah. brain's going I guess I guess we need these let's yes. let's go guys both Florence and I have had times in our lives where we have lactated not loads just tiny little bit and um, I even talked to my doctor once and she was like well if you're stimulating the nipples and I was like that's exactly what I'm doing most of my wank sessions are just nipple related I have to <laughs> confess I am stimulating the nipples yes yes yes, <laughs> yes. sorry doctor I shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be doing that but it's happening. Uh-huh. So throughout lockdown, have you just been stimulating your nipples constantly? Like how? Kind of, yeah. It it was, you know, I'm not going to go into like loads of detail about it because it kind of comes off maybe as like, it is something that you have to think um, it's what basically we, we used, uh, um, a medication that one of the side effects of the medication is also lactation, but what I right. don't want to do is essentially 
kind of encourage it as if everyone should just start taking this, you know, off-label medication. And because, you know, we did a lot of research about how it would interact with other medications we were taking. We know we, we spoke to a doctor. We, you know, so I, I don't want it to come across like I'm giving advice, but if you are interested in it, there are amazing forums with so much information out there. And if you're really serious about it, doing your own research about it and reading other people's testimonials and thinking about how it might work for you. There are different protocols that you can do. Um, but what was crazy is how quickly it worked. You know, wow. Wow. I, we thought we would be in it for the long haul and it, it really, it's apparently, you know, not, not if, for whatever reason it, it happened, it happened really quickly. And it actually really freaked me out the first time because really, yeah, the first time that it happened, I mean, I was masturbating and playing with my nipples and I looked down and it was like some kind of Cronenbergian body horror. Where I was just not <laughs> expecting it. And I was just like, <laughs> even yeah. though I find it so hot it was just yeah. this idea you know of something so that's just not what that body part you usually see that body part doing especially a fluid that you've created like out, almost like out of thin air and it's like we're so used to all the other bodily fluids but when you when you when it's there with your nipples you're like I did that I was, created it, this yes. it definitely freaked me out I thought I was pregnant yeah. I was like what the fuck yeah, yeah. I even I think I went to my ex being like so this has happened I'm gonna do a pregnancy test and we both sat there and was like this could be the future <laughs> that's I mean like, what a what a project no, that's no. incredible almost like manipulating your body but in like such a positive exciting way especially I, I really appreciate you saying about not planning to have kids in the future and yeah. how that might also affect the thought process around this the reason why I think mommy stuff for me especially at this age feels so potent and so it's such an interesting space to play in sexually is because when you get to this age if you are somebody who is able to conceive and carry a child um, you have to start having conversations with yourself about whether that's something that you want. Unless you're a hundred percent sure, either way, the ambiguous in between with a clock that feels like it's counting down feels really horrible. Like it feels it does, there, yeah. there's such a huge amount of pressure. And I think that motherhood is often considered in society to be the pinnacle of womanhood. You know, it is your, the, the way you can access goodness in society is by being a mother and fulfilling your, you know, your feminine your duty. duty. <laughs> as, and all of this stuff is obviously bullshit, but mm -hmm. the problem is, is that that it's, it's, you know, not necessarily the easiest to, to, to give up or to untangle yourself from. And so I think for right. me, there was, there was a, a grief there in, in giving up the potential that I might be somebody who would be a mother at some point and regardless of the fact that that's something that I'm maybe choosing for myself or even if it's just the way that your life goes you know it doesn't even have to be a choice there's an amount of kind of grief there and I think that grief is a very exciting uh space to play around in sexually oh, oh my god <laughs> that's okay I'm so here for this grief yeah. please tell me more about yeah, I'm grieving like, at the moment with how can I turn my breakup into some fucked up sex please yes <laughs> we sometimes a, a really interesting way of feeling more in control of something is to eroticize it you know I yes in the same way that you know I've been with people who have eroticized my you know performing porn with other people as almost like as a way to feel like you know as my partner that they're 
either a part of it or it's something that's, you know, that's, that's hot for them. You know, that's a way of kind of uh, giving your brain uh, a bit of a break from the kind of complexity of it and going, maybe it's, maybe it's actually just horny and maybe this is a good thing for me. And, you know, that is a totally valid and hot and interesting way of processing those things. And I think sometimes we give sex a lot of flack for, you know, people say, oh, you know, BDSM has nothing to do with, with trauma or, you know, but for me specifically, often, you know, that is a space where you can take all of these complicated things and play with them and turn them into things that feel interesting or good or explore the complexity of them in a kind of space that um, is a space that you are um, in control of in some capacity. I hard relate to that fully, especially with the, you know, like my tickle fetish. It makes sense. It's all about control and changing that into something that's that's I actively want and that's pleasurable and like I have my own control within those parameters especially with yeah BDSM mm-hmm. and oh I really like I'm gonna delve yeah. deep into the idea of grief and playing around with that because it's it those are two seriously polar opposite things so mm-hmm. to mesh them together is very exciting I'm gonna gonna go to my therapist <laughs> <When> about I, <laughs> it when I was writing my erotic <laughs> stories I wrote a story about having sex with my ex and I think I actually found yes. that quite cathartic in some kind yeah. of way because like wow. when I was writing I was fully imagining like me and my ex fucking I guess at that point I was still kind of grieving from it as well one of the most incredible moving and intense things I've ever seen at a porn film festival was a film um that I think it was called just called birth and it was a film where someone was essentially uh getting fisted by uh, a, a a partner while this audio of them discussing how she's barren was playing over the top <gasps> and oh my god that's he, incredible he, it was it was so intense and it made it honestly you know it, it was a, incredibly uncomfortable to watch but in this like absolutely captivating and fascinating way and afterwards she was speaking about it where she's like me and this person you know we just have a shared um, fascination and appreciation of just getting to the darkest heart of the thing. So sometimes when you're like, I, I don't, I can't speak for you, Florence, but you know, sometimes where you're like, fuck, I have all of this com- complex stuff that I don't know what to do with. You know what? Maybe I'm just going to stare into the heart of it and go, I'm going to face it and be like, I'm going to imagine having sex with that person that I miss or, you know, that I still have complicated feelings for or that, you know, was really important to me at a time, but no longer is in my life in the same way. It's interesting because I think people use um, like kink and the kink space as therapy sometimes. I know that we heard like a great story from the people of sex because using their trauma and kind of recreating it in role play to help kind of get over these like deep root feelings. Mm. My therapist on BetterHelp recently was just like, I was talking about my like daddy issues basically and she was just like well why don't you like link up with some of the amazing sex kink communities in LA she's like I'm not saying that kink is therapy like she kept saying I'm Mm. not saying that kink is therapy but like go and explore this in a sexual way that's like deeper than you've ever explored this I think I think the thing is is that you know people say oh this isn't therapy this isn't therapy but I think maybe just thinking it's less about what isn't therapy and more going 
How can I, you know, take something from this? How can I just have experiences that are maybe going to enrich my life or make me see things in a different way that can be therapeutic, but are maybe not specifically therapy? And then, you know, you can take those experiences back to therapy. I think just like giving yourself space to explore yourself and not just like, not just kind of doing like, fluffy self-care things and being nice to yourself. I was thinking about this, like why I enjoy CNC or consensual non-consensual so much. And I was thinking about like, especially in the form of a being pansexual, but enjoying that specifically with a masculine man and wondering if that was like tied to feelings of abandonment with my dad and then almost like flip reversing it so much so that some masculine man wants me so bad that it doesn't matter whether or not I say no and stop, I don't want this. They are like almost so obsessed with me, they can't help themselves. So it's like the whole polar opposite of dealing with the abandonment issues and then moving that into something so like intense and extreme as someone being like completely obsessed with you. So yeah, just like being able to like accept it and open your mind to it just... It, I mean, it's just been blowing my mind and it's helping me get through a lot of those issues that I have. It's it's one of those things where, you know, sex isn't this totally separate thing from the rest of our lives. And all of those things, if they're infusing our communication and our interactions and our relationships in a non-sexual sense, it would be remiss to assume that they weren't also doing that in a sexual sense. So I think the problem is sometimes when people go, oh, well, of course you fantasize about this because you have daddy issues. Yeah, motherfuckers. We all come to this life and sex with a whole bunch of baggage. And I think, you know, why shouldn't, why shouldn't we just explore all of that in a way that feels good rather than going, oh, I can't like that because that would, you know, mean that, uh, oh, of course I would like that because, you know, yeah, I, like, I oh, have this Freud issue. was right. I want to yeah. fuck my parents. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but who, who doesn't have parental issues? Who doesn't mm. have family issues? You know, we're all coming to this with those kind of issues. No one can have a perfect upbringing and a perfect you know, like role model and parents. So it's like, it's just about almost leaning into it and accepting it more. And it does, it changes how you feel about sex. It changes how you feel about the shame and the embarrassment. And, you know, it, it can open you up to a whole new world of exciting pleasure and potentially, turns you, you on, know. It turns you on, you know. Turns like, you on and, and you can deal with the trauma at the same yeah. time. Wow. Mm. I'm so excited for your new series. Thank you. Yeah. When When's it coming out? Do you have like a date you can tell tell the folk? So the first part is already out now um, and um, it's kind of half a traditional porn and half of a kind of um, a, a documentary where, I guess a documentary where we're, we're speaking about having conversations about um, this fetish and why it's interesting. That's out now. And then I'm working on the second part of it, which goes kind of deeper into some some other aspects of it. Um, and that is, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping, uh, ooh, I said it. So, you know, within the next 11 days, <laughs> it's okay. going to be out, hopefully. And yeah, we are premiering it at an event at the Amazing Bishopsgate Institute. If I don't, I don't know if you know what that is. Oh, I think I've, have I got tickets to that? I think maybe I've got tickets to that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll see you there. Um, yes. But it's it's an amazing, um, basically like an archive of the history of, um, you know, kink, 
queer culture, fetish culture, you know, kind of countercultures related to sex and sexuality in the UK in the, an amazing building in, in Bishopsgate in London. And it's just such an incredible space, such an incredible archive. You know, the people that work on there are doing amazing work. So it's, it's premiering at an event um, on Bishopsgate on the 24th of March, but it'll be out digitally before that. I have some very, 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 very exciting news. I wrote a book. (gasps) What? What? (sighs) That was like, that was my mouth cheering for you. The book is called This Book Will Make You Feel Something, because it certainly. I'm I'm feeling something now. Florence wrote a book, everybody, and this is us telling you that you're gonna have to pre-order it. It's available to pre-order now, and the book is a selection of 25 erotic stories that I wrote myself, and some masturbation advice, tips, everything involved with learning to reconnect with your body and have amazing solo sex. You've got the tools with the stuff to turn you on and then also Mm. the stuff to make that really fucking amazing if you enjoy reading or you've ever been into fan fiction this is the book for you I feel like I've been through watching Florence go through this process and she has literally poured her heart and soul and pussy juice into (laughs) this book what are some of your favourite stories from the book Florence oh my god my favourite one has to be the cowboy and the bandit story and I did some vampire and monster stories but then there's also some like BDSM sex parties and then some just like plain simple romantic stories basically everything for everyone the cover is beautiful it's something you need to have on your coffee table thank you the pre-order link will be in the description underneath the podcast or it is in the bio on my instagram at florence bar can't wait to have it in my hands a physical copy thank you in advance for pre-ordering the book and yeah love you all We actually have some questions from the curious fuckers as well. The first question is, do you have any tips on how and where to consume ethical porn? Interesting. Yes, You're like I do. my website. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a complicated relationship with the idea of ethical porn. And I think that stems from the fact that ethics and ethical as a label is something that's very subjective person to person. Really, for me, what matters is what does the company do on the ground? Are they making the kind of content that you think is good? Are the performers who are working for them loving working for them? And are they treated well? Are they paid fairly? Are we everyone is everyone kind of having a professional time? If you're worried maybe that, you know, somebody might have been asked to do something that they don't want to do, the one one thing you can do is, you know, buy buy content from a performer directly because they will be there. They they've been the person who has kind of um you know brought the shoot to fruition. They're they're gonna be more in control of what's happened. I do think that that's not necessarily a blanket rule because we're seeing a lot of people shooting a lot of content for OnlyFans and that kind of thing, which um, you know, 
the complexity of that is that sometimes it's just two people in a hotel room without anyone else on set, without there being any kind of checks. What you've got to do is just do a little bit of extra work to ask some questions, do a little bit of research, you know, think for yourself about what you're interested in seeing and what's important to you about the content that you're consuming. Just being a little bit critical and a little bit thoughtful. That was that's giving me a lot of food, food for thought because it's a question that comes up all the time. What we've decided to do with Four Chambers is to just try and be transparent about how much people are getting paid, what a day on our set looks like, what we're asking of of people, you know, how it all goes down. And we just kind of put that information out there and like hopefully let people make up their own minds rather than being... Because I think for a lot of people, they don't actually really know how porn is made um, and what actually goes on. So it's hard for them to even imagine what an ethical kind of set looks like for them so the safest bet is to find someone you like you fancy um find them on twitter and see if they've got any links right that's the (laughs) yeah i mean that definitely i definitely think like the most amazing thing about OnlyFans has you know in the in the 10 years that i have been getting naked online is that it's really put a lot of the control of these things back into the hands of performers so people are shooting stuff that they often are are really into and I think your fans are going to be really into it if you're really into it yeah Florence when I come to you at LA can we film some porn please like (laughs) yeah why not okay next question somebody asks what's the kinkiest thing you filmed the kinkiest thing I have filmed would probably be a film that doesn't exist on my site anymore because it's too dangerous too kinky for my payment processes Mm -hmm. um we (laughs) shot a scene um that i i'd seen uh, the two performers were a couple at the time they um are both really into bdsm and they had made these amazing photographs of um uh, a scene that they would do where um one of them would like make these tiny incisions along the person's back, just tiny little cuts. Um, and have you ever seen Florence? You will know you've been in LA. It's like a very LA thing. This, this process of cupping. Yes. Basically what you do is you make, they, they would make these tiny incisions and put the hot cup over the incision, which would draw the blood out into the cup. Um, it looks like so much blood, but it really isn't. And the incisions are very small, but it is obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's a process that requires like a lot of trust between the two people. And it's, you know, it, it was a very uh, intimate thing to shoot. Um, yeah. And essentially then they, they would like take the cups off and like rub the blood around and, and fuck in the blood. Wow. Yeah. Which does oh sound God, very amazing. intense. Yeah. It, was it was genuinely one of the more like romantic shoots of, uh, because it, it required such trust between these two people, you know. Blood is huge. There's so many different like ways to make blood work within sexual play. It's like connecting with your sense of like bodily vulnerability. It's, and it just, I mean, I watched 
um, Queen of the Damned as, you know, an impressionable oh, teenager yes. and watching her drink the blood of somebody's neck and like put, come out of that pool of like, mm-hmm. oh, and like, there's something about vampires, right? Vampires so, are really mm-hmm. hot. Yeah. This is and it's thing. like and, true blood when, when they had the scenes where the blood's like still around them, they lick it all up and it's like, mm-hmm. that's hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but when you're having period sex and you have like some handprints over your body and they're all like bloody, that is hot. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I just, love that. I'm trying, Florence, but my OCD will not allow. <laughs> oh, I cannot mm. enjoy. I'm like, mm. <laughs> okay, just Duh, like, let me no. do some, you know, compulsive tendencies for a second there. Hold up. <laughs> but it is hot. It is hot. I'm, my goal for this year is to have like really messy period sex and not like freak out about it. That would be Aww. great. That would be, that's the dream. I wish you um, well in your, in your quest. <laughs> That was a pretty kinky thing. So thank yeah. you. For yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it really was. And, and, and yeah, and then, and then the payment processes were like, yeah, no. It's interesting that that's not allowed because I feel like there are similar things online. It is specifically about whether or not, um, the content is broadcast in a way that is intending to cause sexual arousal so you could make a documentary about (laughs) it you know quite happily but because what i'm making is porn that's why it's not allowed because we consider sex to be like this special level of dirty and depraved that is different to just watching someone do it on film in a different context it's time for your fuck off story vex Uh, this is one that I have used and reused a number of times, but you know what? It still stands. The weirdest thing that I have ever done on a porn shoot is me and a performer called Stoya and a performer called Mickey. Um, we were making a adaption of a very depraved and strange book called The Story of the Eye. We were in a dilapidated a kind of old cottage on the river, um, ne- uh, on the river in Hackney somewhere. It was <laughs> freezing. There was the only thing in this cottage. It was like essentially, it was, I, I guess they were hiring out for film sets and stuff, but there was a kind of like a crumbly old sofa. There was one of those old Victorian beds that squeaks like, mm-hmm. that's like metallic in this book. Uh, they are obsessed with kind of globular objects. So testicles, eggs eyes. Um, and, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do in the shoot was I wanted to put an egg in my pussy. Um, and I'd gone to Waitrose and I'd bought, uh, Waitrose. The, have you ever seen, seen in Waitrose, they sell these like blue eggs. I'm also vegan. So, yes. you know, yes. wow. I was like, okay, you know, for the, for the art, I will, I will buy the egg. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to fall on the sword. This is me being like, I might be the director, but I'm the performer. So I'm going to be the one to put the egg in my pussy. You know, that, that seems fair. Um, so I pop it in there and you know what? It goes in suspiciously easily. It just goes. And the, the idea is that you're like, God, I hope the shell, the shell stays intact because that is a yeast infection <laughs> waiting to happen if, if anything happens. Yeah. So it goes yeah. in and the idea is it, I was going to put it in and then I was going to lay it out of myself. Wow. The problem is apparently it's very easy to put the egg in. Oh. It is a lot less easy to take the egg out. No. Apparently laying an egg, chickens make it look easy. It's a lot harder <laughs> than you would think. So... I'm, I'm sat crouched, you know, full squat 
uh, on yeah. the floor of this like crumbly old cottage with uh, Mickey and Stoya just absolutely laughing their head off of me with me like straining trying to lay this egg and then at some point uh, Mickey realizes that it's Mother's Day so I'm trying to lay <laughs> an egg uh, on Mother's Day um and uh, yeah it's essentially eventually I have to kind of like have you ever taken a moon cup out yeah, you yeah. Know, sometimes the moon cup is not the easiest extraction process in no, the entire world. It, like the vacuum situation. The vacuum, yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> where I had to really go digging, digging for this. I, uh, and you know, thankfully, I didn't put it in my butt. You know, so it can't get lost. Oh fuck! We managed to get it out, and we got the shot, and the shot looks great. Uh, but it's one of those things where, um, whenever people go, oh, what's what's a weird thing you've done for porn? I'm like. Probably the laying the egg. <laughs> like a real chicken egg. And a motherfucking vegan, yeah. That's up there. That's up there on the chart. I want that validation. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. This was fucking amazing. Thank you so much, Vex, for coming on the podcast. You've been inspiring and exciting. And yeah, I feel like a lot of people out there that feel some kind of way about the content they want to create or the sex they want to have. Um, I think you will alleviate a lot of stresses. So thank you so much for chatting, chatting to us so candidly. Um, please please tell our curious fuckers like where they can find you give give all the clout and everything that you're doing instead of eggs <laughs> so i am vex tape on basically everything um vex tape like sex tape and my project is called four chambers or a four chambered heart um you can find it at a fourchamberedheart.com and it is four chambers on Instagram and four chambered on Twitter because somebody rudely stole the four chambers handle Rude. there. The best way to keep in touch with me is to sign up for a you know, you don't have to pay for it, but you just sign up for a four chambers account and I'll send you an email every night again because who knows how long we're all gonna last in this social media hellscape. Curious fuckers, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it far and wide. And remember to subscribe, follow, leave a rating and a review if you haven't already. And of course, word of mouth is the best. So if you can share it on any platform, you can as well as tag all of us. And our personal accounts are Reed, Amber X and Florence Bark. And of course, we are Come Curious and tag tag everyone in because it's nice and friendly and fun. We can repost it. <laughs> anyway, Curious Fuckers, we will see you next Thursday. And thank you so much. See you Bex. next Thursday. <laughs> yes, thank you. Bye. Bye. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. <laughs>